This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Mike Janung here, and thanks for coming along on the ride. And before we get into today's program, I have a bit of an announcement to make. We have coming up on Saturday... February 20th, uh, our first ever Rogue Christian Conference, and this will be a time where we're going to meet together. I'll be equipping you on how to be a spiritual warrior and an overcomer. You'll be meeting other believers who want to take their walk with the Lord to a higher level just like you do, and we'll be spending also some time with uh, issues regarding healing because if, if you're going to be in the Army, uh, it really doesn't work very well if you've got a broken leg. And then we'll be having time in community, um, doing some sharing and praying for each other. And we'll finish up our time as a house of prayer where we'll be praying as a group for our country and for our leaders and for revival and for each other. And so the hope here is really that we can build a community of rogue Christians that who will step forward, step into the front lines of battle, and then we can build a connection with each other. And so this will be in Jamesport, Missouri, which is pretty close to center of the U.S. So it's a great location for those of you who are coming from, from different areas. And for my listeners who in Arizona, if you want to uh, set up or provide a, uh, a building for us or a church for us, we'd be happy to do one locally. Or if you're in other states or in other countries, we we do I do conferences in Europe, and we have ministry partners in there, so we'd be happy to, to come to your country and, and to make it happen. And then we just finished 30 Days of Prayer, which is a 30-day video series that's meant to help you Really take your prayer life to a deeper walk, to a deeper level, so that um, we show you what fervent prayer looks like. There's challenges along the way. There's challenges to really take your prayer life um, to a point where you're really seeking God consistently. And, and prayer is really the key to the whole thing of all that we're going through. That's the beginning catalyst to revival, and not just in the country, but in each one of our individual hearts. And prayer is the... Um, the great battery charger that lights up our spirit and brings us closer to God. And so I would encourage you to go to therogchristian.com and then take a look at the 30 Days of Prayer videos. You can just walk through one video a day, and some of them ha do have some very challenging topics in there. One is about thinning out the church. One is about how to live a life that counts for eternity. So there's a lot in there. There's also some videos about healing and receiving forgiveness. 
So again, go to therogchristian.com and, and check that out. <clears throat> so what I want to do today is backtrack a little bit and then walk, walk us forward and look at what has happened in our country um, since COVID hit. And then as we walk through this, think about this and see if you can begin to form a big picture. And, and that's what I want to do is, is look at the big picture and, and where we are and where we're headed and, and what we could do. So COVID hit in around March. And when I say hit, I mean, it was really forming before that, but hit harder in the U.S. in March, in April. And then the lockdowns came um, you know, where a lot of people were told to stay home and what kind of response we saw from a lot of Christian community was a lot of articles and posts and about don't fear. And, and we've all struggled with fear at some point in our life, so that's, that's a good thing, but it pretty much stopped there. And when the COVID came out, the other thing that happened was that Pornhub, the largest porn site in the world, reported that 25%, they had an increase of 25% of their viewing. So porn use worldwide shot through the roof. And in some countries, it went quite a bit higher than that. In Europe, Pornhub gave away free content for a period of time. So in countries like Italy, for example, it went up 57%. And then we, in our ministry of Blazing Grace, you know, we, we work with people who struggle with porn addiction, sex addiction, adultery, and, and we got really busy <laughs> when all that hit. We started getting a lot of phone calls, and our groups went up, and, and not from every level of the church. I remember one week, I think we got in calls from two pastors' wives, which doesn't always happen like that every week. So, but did you hear that? brought up very much. And why is that? Why is it that what happens, see what happens is when we're alone, that really shows who we really are. And with that much isolation, then people are forced to take a look at what, you know, how, what is my coping mechanism? How am I coping with this? Am I falling apart? Am I having a panic attack? Am I letting fear just own me? Am I dealing with these things by hitting to the pantry and stuffing myself? Am I binging on porn? Th those months and the lockdowns really began to show who we really are as a church. And there was a lot of things exposed in there that, that really should have come out more wide in the open, but you didn't really hear about it too much. It was more of a long, you know, kind of a somewhat superficial, just don't be afraid and everything will be okay. But there's a lot more going on than that. And then, of course, there's a spiritual battle. You know, what is the enemy doing? He's also shutting churches down. And what, what kind of words did you hear coming out of, you know, live streams? Did you hear any of, any of these things that I just mentioned coming out of churches? I, did have, I heard very little of it. And then moving forward... You know, I think it was around June, maybe it was the end of June, early July, I don't remember the exact time. That's when the police officer uh, killed the black guy who, you know, he pressed his knee into his back and basically suffocated him to death. And then that was, of course, an unjust murder. 
And then the whole country exploded with riots and buildings being burned and people being killed and the destruction of property. And and so from my perspective, what that was was the enemy using that to really fan the warfare, take it to another level. And and what did you what do, what do we hear from from our leaders at that time? Uh, I remember one leader of a big, well-known Christian ministry uh, came out with an article where he called for peace. And when you're, if you're in that mindset where you're trying to destroy, you know, you're destroying buildings or killing people, do you really think calling for peace is going to make that much of a difference? And so when I was listening to these things, I'm watching. I'm thinking, why is it? Why are we not hearing that we're a church at war? And we have given widespread ground to Satan, and all that's been going on is exposing that big time. We're not talking about that. And then as time went on, the presidential election uh, started kicking into overdrive, and all the chaos that was <laughs> coming out of that, and and the the Civil War really began to become more pronounced, more exposed. And I'm talking about the Civil War in the church right now. For example, Christianity Today published uh, an article basically trashing Donald Trump. And then uh, just like a week or two before the election, one of the most revered theologians in the country, John Piper, came out, and he did the same thing. And then woven into that, Franklin Graham was, I mean, he's been a bright spot through this whole time. He's been calling for prayer, and and he's been encouraging people to pray for the election and, and to pray for the president. And, and then you had others like Jim Daly of Focus on the Family. They, they were encouraging the same. So what this really exposed even more was the civil war outside of the church is just as prevalent as the civil war inside of the church. And what did you see on the ground? Um, <laughs> I was looking on, flipping through social media recently, and I just wanted to throw up because there's a lot of very beyond-spirited debate, um, basically Christians tearing each other apart uh, over their candidate of choice and what you know, the other side's, quote-unquote, how bad they are. So if you look into all this, the Civil War is, the cultural Civil War has really split and divided us in two. And what does Scripture say? A house divided against itself cannot stand. A country divided against itself cannot stand. And here we are, and do you really hear a whole lot about how dangerous a place we're in right now. The other thing that kind of made me sick was that you saw, before the election, you saw people coming out from the church and prophesying that Trump was going to win and even win in a landslide. And I wanted to, as I'm watching these things unfold, I'm thinking, who's going to keep these people accountable? Because I had no idea who was going to win the election, but... I was getting. Re I always get really nervous when somebody does a "Thus saith the Lord," and 
because you don't know what spirit they're talking out of or if they're just throwing words out of their own flesh. And I was watching these things and thinking, this just doesn't sound good. And so while I was watching all this, I was also thinking, and I love what Franklin Grand's been doing. He's been trying to get people to pray, and I've joined in on his on his live uh, Facebook prayer time. I think it was the night before the election or two nights before, and so I've been watching him and and applauding from the you know from where I in my little space. And, and what I've also been asking at the same time is why is it in our churches that prayer, especially in the American church, is a special event? Why is it we wait for a conference, or why is it we wait for a nationally known Christian big name? to come out and say we should pray before we get on our knees and go hard after God. And why is it that you don't hear anyone, or at least I didn't hear anyone saying that churches are supposed to be a houses of prayer and that every single Sunday or every single weekend service, we should be on our knees screaming out to heaven right now because of the darkness that our country is in because of the civil war and because most believers are isolated and many of them are viewing pornography as i just shared and the whole thing is collapsing and nobody there's no sense of urgency right now it's almost as if we're all sitting there watching some kind of virtual reality show and just watching it pass by and people we are right at the cliff one thing I see, you see quite a bit all of a sudden the last, you know, the last couple of weeks is, at least on social media, is a lot of God is in control and people quoting that and saying that all over the place and, and amen. And he is my rock. He is our anchor. We keep our focus on him. Without him, there is no hope. And you look at the book of Job, and even when Job was allowed to get trashed by Satan, uh, you, you saw that God allowed it to, be ha- allowed it to happen. And my, but my question, my very big concern is, are a lot of us in the church standing by throwing out trite cliches like God is in control and sitting back and doing nothing and sitting back and not having a prayer life and sitting back and not going out to the Lord and saying, Lord, our country is broken. Would you please bring a spiritual awakening? And sitting back and not saying, here, my God, send me. That, that is really um, the questions I'm asking, and I wonder if you're asking those questions too, because I don't really see a lot of people saying, hey, I went to a prayer meeting at my church last night. And what I hear other pastors say is, well, pastors say as well, we had a, we, when we try to have prayer meetings, nobody shows up. So why is that? All these months we've been hearing people say to us, prayers are the most powerful weapon. So if prayers are the most powerful weapon, why isn't everybody on their knees every single Sunday? Why isn't God's people aren't being challenged and cornered saying, hey, today were you on your knees crying out for our country? Do you realize the, the darkness we're in and the sense of urgency right now? And... And as we know, we have President-elect Joe Biden and the numbers have been coming out that 25% of evangelicals and half of Catholics voted for him. And he is 
a candidate who was very openly run on a pro-abortion platform, and the president of Planned Parenthood, after he's elected, said voters' voices were loud and clear, and they elected a new president who is fully committed to abortion and protecting access to sexual and reproductive health care, including access to abortion. Estimates are that 350,000 abortions are performed a year by Planned Parenthood alone. That's enough to wipe out a, an entire city, and that's every year. We're wiping out an entire city's worth of human lives, whether it's minutes from birth or not. It's still a human soul that's being killed, all in the, for the most part, of convenience. So we just elected a guy who's all in on that. And if you look at the Old Testament, what does God say about child sacrifice? Uh, <laughs> that's one of the big sins that the Israelites were committing that got, in them, got them basically taken to judgment and destroyed. And to those who, who voted for, for our next president and didn't understand that, this, he has come in, in in favor of, in fact, he said he would sign the equality, the equality Bill, the Equality Act, it's a Bill of Rights for LGBT in the first hundred days. And if you don't know what that is, I'm going to share it with you right now. It will give bathroom and locker room access to individuals based on their gender identity, not on their birth sex. So if a guy says, hey, I'm a girl tomorrow, he, he will legally be able to go into a woman's bathroom and do what he wants. And then it will prevent religious Americans, churches, or other, other ministries and organizations from seeking exemptions from provisions of the law under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. It would make sexual orientation and gender identity protected classes under the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which means if you are a church and somebody who's in your midst or somebody who you've hired has come out and said, um, you know, I think we need to start um, advocating the gay agenda or the LGBT agenda, which is directly in opposition to God's word, that means you cannot fire them. That is what the president we just elected has promised to sign in the first hundred days. And then, so really when it comes down to any American who does not want to fund, offer, perform, or participate in abortion on demand will have no choice. This will be the largest expansion of taxpayer-funded abortion this country has ever seen. The Equality Act, as one Christian leader wrote, is unacceptable because anti-life increases a right to demand abortion from health care providers. Right now... I mean, 350,000 abortions a year is already, must be an evil stench in God's eyes. And to take it another level, and to take the level of depravity in another level in the coming months with the new president we have is going to put us in a much darker place, and it's going to invite more ground to Satan who's already taken more ground. So we are at the point now where we either have revival or the whole thing is going to go so dark that there's going to be some kind of moral collapse. We've already been getting to see that happen. 
And But where is a sense of urgency? Do you have your pastors coming in on Sunday morning and saying, we're in such a desperate place right now that if we don't get in, get down our knees and pray right now, this this whole thing is going down? Do you hear that happening on your weekend services? You know, we are in serious, we're a church at war and we're acting like, you know, we're Disneyland. And this this has to this message has to start coming out. We there has to be some kind of passion and fire. And man, it's and the whole the con. This is the consequences of what has happened when a church has gone lukewarm when it only wants to deal with the soft theological ice cream. God loves me, and I have a, He has a wonderful plan in my life. And then we park there. We have to start drilling down into our sin. In exposing it, and so the answer for all this is in a very few simple, taking a very few simple steps. This weekend at your church, you put everybody on your knees and you spend time praying. This weekend at your church, you break up into groups of two or three and you have everybody share their struggles, share their sins, and you have them praying for each other. That's what triggers revival, not preaching sermons about it, not preaching sermons about prayer. When God says, my house should be a house of prayer, it doesn't mean you teach an expositional, expository sermon about it, and then do not pray. You have to get people on your knees if you're going to rend the throne of God and have change in the country. So we have the answers God's already told us in his book what to do, but we're not doing it. We're in some kind of study paralysis. And we need Isaiah's and Jeremiah's these days who are willing to come out and say, enough, enough of lukewarm, enough of apathy, enough of porn-addicted believers, enough of isolated believers, enough of chasing after the lukewarm and trying to build a church around the lukewarm we're going to start going after the Christians who want to grow and want to change, and whatever happens to the lukewarm happens to them. Jesus never, ever chased the lukewarm, but we built the church around it, and we built the church around soft messages. There has to be fire, and there has to be passion, and you know where that comes from? A prayer life, a prayer closet, spending time agonizing before God in fervent prayer. God, would you change me? God, would you convict me of my sin? Would you, God, would you show me what you want to do? And then it comes down to God. Like Isaiah, after the Lord has touched us, we go to the Lord and we say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me into the battle. Lord, what do you want to do with my life? I want to make my life have impact for eternity, God. I'm tired of wasting my life and being choked with the things of this world. I'm tired of being choked on sports and entertainment and pornography and all the things that I've been wasting my life and wasting my time with. And I'm tired of having a sinful mouth. I'm tired of having a bitter, ugly, empty, lackadaisical heart. God, would you please set me on fire? And would you please set me out into the battle? Do whatever you got to do in my heart, but convict me of my sin and then use me, Lord. Set me, send me out there. We all have been given different gifts. Each one of you has a calling from God who is a believer from Jesus Christ. I don't know what that is, but if you want to know, just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Maybe he wants you to organize prayer meetings. 
Maybe he wants you to organize prayer meetings in your home. Whatever it is, go to the Lord and, and say, God, show me, speak to me. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've learned that he has put desires in my heart that I don't even always see. And over time, he reveals them to me. So you have more gifts and calling and spiritual authority than you realize. Each and every one of you who are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're blood-bought sons and daughters of the living God. So let's go to war. Let's, let's get on our knees and let's start fighting. I'll see you next time. Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.